The views expressed in this program are those of the participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of 94.9 CHRW. Milton. Don't start with me, okay, Kevin? I know everything you're going to say. I've said it to myself. I don't need to hear it. Okay. Then why don't you talk? I mean, explain to me how... She's 18. She's of age. There'd be nothing wrong with me dating an 18-year-old college freshman, would there? Or if she went to another high school, there'd be nothing wrong in that. But Milton... She goes to this school. I didn't know that at the time. I thought she went to Harvard. I didn't know she went here. But you know it now. I'm in love with her. Oh, my. For the first time, I feel like I have an actual life. I'm supposed to not see her because of where she lives, where she goes to school. Those aren't very good reasons if you're... Do you really believe that? Milton. You were carrying on with her in the school. Can't you see how out of control you are? This has been going on for about a month. If it gets out, you'll lose your job. And it's not likely any other school would hire you. And if it continues, I can't promise I won't report you. You're a friend, Milton. I love you. But she's a student, Milton. She's a student. Even if you love her, you have to know you can't. I know you know. Yes, I do. Kevin, the last month has been the most... Milton, you... I'm not sure it isn't worth my career. I'm not even a great teacher. The students don't respect me. You're gonna listen me to me because I'm your friend. You're lying to people. You're having a sexual relationship with a student. Maybe this girl is like a drug. I don't know. But clearly, clearly, you're not thinking straight. Look, Kevin, I don't... <clears throat> Louisa... I heard Kevin say you're having a sexual relationship with a student. I, uh... I don't know what to say. Hey, Milton. Answering to me is the least of your worries. Are you gonna report me? Thinking about it. Good morning, London. It is Thursday, September 10th, 2015. I'm Bob Metz, and this is Just Right on 94.9 CHRW Radio Western, where we'll be with you from now till, well, just a little afternoon. No, it's not right wing. It's Just Right. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the clothes, everything will be alright. Been quite a morning this morning already here at at Western because we just had a fire alarm that slowed everything down and has put us back behind our schedule by a few minutes. So we're just catching up right now. The teacher in our Boston public opening scene today was certainly in serious trouble. Were he under Western University's clear definitions of what consent means, consent cannot be obtained by someone who abuses a position of trust, power, or authority, and that would open him to charges of sexual assault or worse. It's certainly a principle that I support, particularly with its reference to the word abuses, but even so is difficult to enforce by those outside of the relationship. The reality is that in any allegations of sexual abuse between a male and female, and where the independent objective evidence or witnesses are not available, let's face it, it's always a he said, she said kind of allegation. So to compensate for this shortcoming in arriving at their decisions, the enforcers make up rules that too often circumvent, um, you know, the context and the circumstances of a given situation. Uh, 
and free them of having to make a judgment of the reasonableness of an allegation and simply force a compliance of a given rule. This can often make the cure worse than the disease. Well, it's silly season again as schools, colleges, and universities begin their next roundabout in a never-ending cycle of education, indoctrination, and politically motivated misinformation and propaganda. That's our theme for the entire hour as we close with a tragic development in the Cosby controversy. Bill Cosby, of course, has now been crowned the poster boy for the political movement to introduce something that we've identified and discussed for quite some time now on this show, and that's affirmative consent the concept that is at the center of everything from the new sex ed curriculum in the schools to the public campaign against Cosby himself, to the repulsive and offensive assertions that, hey, we live in a rape culture. Give me a break. And with that in mind, don't forget, you can write us at feedback at justrightmedia.org, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, subscribe to us on Just Right, or to Just Right on iTunes, and visit us at www.justrightmedia.org. Funny thing. Precisely a year ago this week, just right, number 366, September 4th, we were discussing the following topics. The prude police, culturing a a rape culture, and feminists' myths and misses. If you recall, at that time, the Western Gazette was in the middle of yet another artificially created feminist-induced scandal. And I quote from Robin Urbach's National Post column we featured on last year's show. She says, Western University's student paper, The Gazette, published an article about how to snag a date with a teaching assistant. The piece was meant to be satirical, which is generally lighter fluid on a university campus, and included suggestions to Facebook stock and get sexy by loosening a couple of top shirt buttons. The most lewd line in the piece was a reference to oral sex, and that's it. Megan Walker, the executive director of the London Abused Women's Center, called the piece unbelievable, and so it went. I understand this year Megan's already working on some new restaurant that's opening downtown where they're going to have dancers, female dancers, dressed no differently than any of the girls here on campus, but apparently she calls that totally offensive. So, you know, the circus is starting again for the new year. And this year is no different, just that the story has moved on to the next chapter. Sexual consent clearly defined was the headline in the London Free Press on September 3rd by Jonathan Scher. Assault expert hopes high-profile cases involving Bill Cosby and Gian Gomeshi bring issue to the surface. And he writes that uh, as university and college campuses come to life, Karen Magas, a nurse at the Regional Sex Assault and Domestic Violence Treatment Program at St. Joe's Hospital said we tend to see an increase in students in September and October. Consent needs to become the status quo and requires ongoing conversation. Western lays out clear definition of what consent means, including uh, no one can consent when they're impaired by drugs or alcohol, which is almost like saying that you might as well advocate celibacy. Uh, In drinking and driving cases, of course, no one any longer questions the responsibility of the drinking driver for the consequences of his or her choices while drinking and driving, but sex is different. Apparently, you're still off the hook, (laughs) in a way. Silence isn't consent to having sex. That's another one of them, and that's just not by itself, of course, but that's not a rule on itself, and you, you know, how does sex happen then? People do not do this affirmative action thing. Silence is consent. It usually implies consent if something's being done to you and you don't react. And, uh, you know, or to put it more clearly, a lack of verbal agreement does not constitute a lack of consent, although that's what the new definition would like to demand. 
All consent is affirmative in nature. The promoters of affirmative consent don't even have the courage to call it what it is, verbal consent. Affirmative is another distraction. As to the silence, you know, people who don't vote, for example, have consented to let those who do vote determine the direction of their governments. Their silence constitutes their consent, not their agreement, not their enthusiasm, though even perhaps so, they could still be silent. It is disagreement or refusal that must be expressed, and like consent, it doesn't only have to be verbal. This is another distraction from the real objective of the new consent definitions, and as we've reviewed so many times on past shows, they're not only saying that silence isn't consent, but the consent can only be verbally expressed. The reason they don't verbally express the verbal requirement this way <laughs> is to hide the silliness and stupidity of what they're promoting, and more people are beginning to catch on to this. The whole concept of this affirmative consent is a farce, a distraction to keep our minds off the real issue. And um, we'll be looking at some more, uh, more other people's you know, reactions to this very issue later on in the show. And they say consent can be revoked at any time. Well, in the future, yes, but not retroactively and not for something that you're already in the middle of in the sense of, you know, try joining the army and then say, well, I changed my mind or sign a contract before it expires and change your mind. There will be consequences. And certainly you can't revoke it retroactively like 20, 30 or 40 years ago, which is what we're seeing in the Cosby case. Consenting to sex once doesn't mean consent is given for any other instance. Well, this is always true in a given context. Again, not if you signed a contract or made explicit agreements to the contrary. Consent cannot be obtained by someone who abuses a position of trust, power, or authority. And, of course, that we heard in our opening uh, scene, and I would agree with that on most cases. You know, Magas said she hopes that high-profile cases involving Bill Cosby and Gian Gomeshi will leave more students talking about the importance of consent, and would, she's hoping that those cases would bring the issue to the surface. You know... The importance of consent is almost all we talk about on this show, and its presence is the moral arbitrator or arbiter in many applications, from judging a character in a TV show to economic trade and to freedom itself. But it's interesting that the Canadian Law Dictionary, we've, we've quoted this before, consent is defined as a deliberate assent amounting to an act of acquiescence. It is an act of reason. Accompanied with, accompanied with deliberation, the mind weighing, as in the balance, the good or evil of either side. To constitute consent, there must be a bargain between two parties. In order that there be true consent, there must be a physical and mental power of the party consenting and a free and serious use of them. A consent obtained by fraud, intimidation, undue influence is not a true consent. Also, the party consenting must have the capacity to consent. A consent to carnal knowledge given by a person underage will not constitute a defense to a charge of rape or indecent assault. Now, this very definition is today being challenged as being inadequate. Not in inadequate for the principles of justice, but inadequate for the ends actually sought by those who are now pushing this idea of verbal consent. Consent given in verbal or written form constitutes an agreement of very specific terms and actions, a contract, outside of which anything could be considered a breach of contract. So given the legal definition of consent, to consent verbally would require much more than a simple yes to a specific act at a specific time. The conditions of consent are many. Here's what you'd really have to say if you were going to verbally consent, especially if you're required to use the word yes. Yes, I am in a state of reason. 
Yes, I have weighed the good and evil of my intentions. Yes, I'll make a deal with you, a bargain. Yes, I have the mental capacity to use reason and to judge the moral implications of my intentions. Yes, everything I have told you about myself is absolutely true. <laughs> well, there you go. Can you imagine that going on in every relationship? Another monstrous claim being made and a phrase tossed around to push buttons and distract us is the notion that we live in a rape culture. I'm hearing this phrase repeatedly used as never before. If I were to use that, that phrase, it would only be to describe those who are using the term in the first place, because they're the rape culture. That very phrase destroys the significance and seriousness of actual rape cases in ways that completely undermine any efforts to create a safe environment, especially for women. Canada is not a rape culture. It's anything but, and has always been so. If you look at the Canadian Law Dictionary, very interesting. Here's a definition of rape, okay? It is the offense of a male person who has sexual intercourse with a female person who is not his wife without her consent or with her consent if the consent is extorted by threats of fear or bodily harm, etc. Punishable with imprisonment for life in Canada. In certain instances, even though the female person can give her consent voluntarily, that man can be convicted of rape. This is often called statutory rape. And uh, so you can see that Note that the law itself is 100% targeted against the male and in favor of the female in terms of the definition of rape. It is the offense of a male person yeah, who has sexual intercourse with a female person. Any other kind of charge or relationship would be a sexual assault charge, not rape. And that's why they use that word, because it's strictly male to female. But it's never really that simple in personal relationships. For example, to constitute consent, there must be a bargain between two parties. I wonder what the rules are where there are more than two parties engaged in a single heterosexual act. Who's, the consen who's consenting to who and with whom? What are the consent rules for an orgy? Of course, the law would be forced to view each individual pair within the group activity as having a consensual agreement between them, separate and apart from anyone else involved. I sure wouldn't want to be the judge in that case. Where are the rules and guidelines specifically for women? You know, they can't be charged with rape, but what are their expected responsibilities besides in a sexual relationship? Besides being the one in control, you know, no means no, yes means yes, but only for a split second, and there are no time limits on public allegations, you know, to withdraw these decisions in the future. That's how things pretty much stand now and have been for years. Not that that's a good thing. I really have yet to see in legal terms... Uh, you know, what would offer something protection for men where the possible rules for women might be in regard. I haven't found any such thing yet. Um, nor, for example, do we often hear about the consequences to those women who have been proven to have falsified their allegations. There may be a lot more such circumstances than we know about, but I'm sure, uh, uh, I sure don't see much in this regard ever reported in the popular media, even after they do report the original fraudulent accusation. What's being called, um, you know, first, yeah, whatever else all this represents, it's certainly not evidence of living in a rape culture, and it's a pretty good deal for women. All of the prohibitions are directed towards the male. What's being called a rape culture, as I've been seeing it used, is the euphemism for a, just a heterosexual culture where, you know, old-fashioned quote-unquote men are men and women are women, which has unjustly come into disrepute. And it's not just an anti-male euphemism, more specifically, anti-masculine, but it's also anti-feminine, uh, an anti-feminine thing. Seduction itself, which never limits or restrictions the actions of either party, has now been equated with sexual assault. So, enter the complexities of real relationships. 
Remember the teacher's rationalizations for carrying on an affair with a student in our Boston public opener? Well, what about the other side of that relationship? Would you say that the teacher abused his position of power, trust, or authority in the following circumstance? Again, from Boston Public, as we find the school on lockdown, really funny because we just went through one here (laughs) this morning, uh, due to an armed student, though, having been spotted in the school, and the relationship dramas simply just begin to unfold. Can I go? No, we're still in lockdown. He's not going to get fired, is he? I don't know. Is it cool to score with a teacher? You in some club and get bonus points? You know, Mr. Riley, here I am feeling bad for Milton. Maybe I should feel sorry for you. Why? Because I don't understand true love? I am 18. Mm. I'm not being exploited or taken advantage of. All the seniors going around banging freshmen. Faculty just looks the other way. And those are little girls. They do get hurt. But here, Mr. Buttle didn't take away my virginity. Emotionally, he's probably younger than I am. I never claim to be worried about you, Lisa. I'm sure you're doing just fine. And if you have been hurt, you'll recover. Professionally, Milton won't. Sure, you feel like dancing tonight? <laughs> no, but I probably need it tonight. Seriously, are you okay? Yeah. All right. Nothing happened that wasn't in the teacher's handbook. Occasional violence, hostage situations are possible. In these situations, it is best to be rescued by a fellow teacher you're romantically involved with. This should be followed up with dancing. It's in there. Let's get right to it then. Why don't we? Okay. Hmm. Maybe next time we can try it with musicians still alive because these guys are. Also, in the handbook, Mm -hmm. it said no talking on these days, just sort of um. Be there. Yeah. Okay. And dance. Okay. How about this, though? Pick a topic and we'll talk about something you want to learn about. Juan, your choice. All right. Let's talk about women. No, I'm serious. I don't understand them and I don't know any guy who does. All right, all right. Women aren't really meant to be understood. They're, you know, that's what makes them alluring. They're lifelong mysteries. Why can't you be serious and give us something we could use? Yeah. Um, okay, uh, well, here's what I know so far. Oddly enough, uh, they, they like to, to dance. I'm serious! Okay, yeah, fine. Rolled along. <laughs> Have you ever wondered why we so rarely get a direct and true answer to that question? I'll shortly give you my answer that I think is perhaps a key to solving that, that dilemma. And I expect many will not like it and will find it 
maybe quite uncomfortable. Socially speaking, men and women are so different in matters of sexuality that they're almost a different species, and it's sometimes hard to you forget about it. It's almost scary to admit because of the possible implications that might arise. It's not an issue you want to raise at a dinner table, especially during a romantic dinner, and it seems to fly in the face of notions of certain notions of romantic love or of love itself, which is, by the way, simply not true, though many will be unable to accept this. Part of the problem and discomfort between the sexes, I think, arises from the fact that it's impossible to leave out the considerations of the basic physical sexual impulses and drives that both sexes experience. The biological imperative and the specific urges it imposes on the body physically are at the root cause of all matters sexual. For both men and women, these biological imperatives impose a sexual urge, not an action. But it would be a huge mistake for either men or women to conclude that the opposite sex experiences that urge in exactly the same way, and that's where they get into a lot of trouble. From all the evidence available I've seen, they do not. And I'm not going to pretend for a minute that there's any way that I, as a heterosexual man, will ever be able to claim that I can really experience or understand what a woman experiences sexually, or vice versa. Surely, you know, yeah, you can try to describe it or talk about it, but it'll never really be a truly experienced event in the qualitative sense. Each sex can learn to understand the other, but never to really experience what the other experiences. So back to the social dimension and to my take on the question posed about what the difference is between men and women. And I have to confess that this wasn't my idea. I didn't originate this conclusion, and it was recently expressed to me by a close friend of mine who I happen to know has also made this observation on more than a personal level, but on an academic level as well. And what he reminded me of, he said, men view sex as an end in itself. Women view sex as a means to an end. And that is a heavy one to absorb. And while you're thinking about that, and before anyone slips into a frenzy, Here's what I'm not saying. I'm not saying that women do not enjoy sex. I'm not saying that men always enjoy sex. I'm not saying this is an absolute 100% truism in each and every instance. If you're looking for a ratio, probably a good guidepost might be the perceived difference in the number of male and female sex workers, perhaps, as gigolos and prostitutes are called in the politically incorrect language required. Um, I'm not saying that all men or all women are hookers, nor that all all men are Johns. And I'm not saying that one view of sex is better than the other or that one is morally superior to the other. In fact, I couldn't see it being any other way. I am still saying that consent must continue to be the ruling principle to resolve all of these differences in a rational and realistic way. That's the only moral consideration. But I'll say it again. Men view sex as an end in itself and women view sex as a means to an end because it explains so much. Uh, from marriage to relationships to you name it, even the Canadian Law Dictionary noted, to constitute consent, there must be a bargain between the two parties. That suggests a trade of some sort, doesn't it? Because that's exactly what it is. It, it's the essence of being human. Human beings have a choice. They can either use force to get what they want from each other, or they can make a consensual trade, a theme that I've been stressing relentlessly over the past few weeks or so, self-interest in capitalism in practice. Once having been made aware that men view sex as an end in itself and women view it as a means to an end, it became impossible not to see that very idea 
or sense expressed in almost all of the romantic literature, comedy, and of course as a backdrop to all of these political sexual controversies that keep surfacing in the news. You can't help but notice this observation as being more than demonstrated and explained, as you'll hear in the balance of all our remaining audio selections today. Even if you've heard them before, you're never going to think about them the same after you hear them again today. Of course, understanding um, and being aware of this principle is not a path to a perfect relationship, but it's a means of steering away from trouble and unnecessary conflict, the kind caused by trying to figure out how the opposite sex is motivated based on your own motivations. Big mistake. Both sexes are a little guilty of doing this from time to time. So to students of age everywhere, save yourself half a lifetime of trial and error, which under the coming affirmative consent rules could get you into a real trial, and that would be an error. <laughs> Amazingly, when we covered the Gazette scandal uh, a year ago, we also included a national post commentary back then by Robin Urbach, and sure enough, this year again, she has written an, an article, Want to Have Sex? Just Sign Here, written July 14th in the National Post. And she points to a consent conscious kit that's being sold for $2.99 um, by the Affirmative Consent Project out of Florida. And it provides information and updates about verbal consent as it makes its way through the legal process. And she writes, the idea is grounded in the notion of yes means yes. Simply saying nothing isn't good enough. And she says... Uh, uh, you know, the consent kits are supposed to guide you through, and you can say, hey, I had proof here, it's okay. These are the sorts of complications you run into when you attempt to regiment something that's fluid by its very nature, she writes. Yet two states, first California, now New York, have enshrined, enshrined the concept of affirmative consent in law, making it a requirement of all public and private colleges to adopt a yes-means-yes policy. New York Governor Andrew Cuomo signed the measure into law on July 7th, saying we're not going to allow schools to cover it up anymore. Those days are over. In Canada, she, she notes, there is no such thing as implied consent. In the U.S., however, legal definitions vary by state, which leaves a gap that the, these yes-mean-yes policies are intended to bridge. But then she writes, here's the problem, and this is her talking. By my reading of the bill, it's basically impossible to have consensual sex on campus. Affirmative consent is defined as knowing, voluntarily, mutual decision among all participants to engage in sexual activity where consent can be given by words or actions. It goes on to say that consent to any sexual act or prior consensual activity does not necessarily constitute sex or, or consent for any other sexual act, which seems reasonable enough unless it's taken literally, in which case partners would need to ask for permission for each new or even repeated sexual touch, caress, or act. We've made fun of this in the past on the show. Supporters of the policy might say this provision is not meant to be taken literally, to which I would ask, what's the point of a law if it's not to be interpreted as written? How are we to distinguish laws that should be followed by the letter as opposed to those followed in spirit? Furthermore, she concludes, when we regulate sex so meticulously, we effectively run the risk of losing the sight of the forest for the trees. Human interaction is more complicated than what can be expressed in a contract, written or otherwise. There's nuance, facial expressions, gestures, tones, intonation, previous interactions, and other social cues, which help us to understand what the other person is thinking. We are moral creatures, by and large, and most of us know that we shouldn't touch one another sexually unless we have sober permission to do so. For those who don't know, or those who are just beginning to experiment, a simple reminder should suffice. And for those who know and simply don't care, 
affirmative act or affirmative consent laws will just be so much background noise and quote to which I have to add an affirmative yes. <laughs> We've certainly moved a far distance from Pierre Trudeau's famous declaration that the state has no business in the bedrooms of the nation, haven't we? The state is now not only moving into the bedroom, but is crawling right under the blankets and inside the minds and bodies of copulating heterosexual couples everywhere. But you know, this, this is getting worse than anything that I ever thought, and we'll be back to talk about that when we return. What are you and Professor Fussy Face up to tonight? <laughs> Star Wars on Blu-ray. You've seen that movie like a thousand times? Not on Blu-ray. <laughs> Only twice on Blu-ray. Oh, Leonard. I know. It's high-resolution sadness. Well, I was going to take myself out to a movie tonight. You want to go? Really? Do we do that? What do you mean? You know, we haven't spent time alone together since we broke up. Well, it's not a date, Leonard. It's just a man and a woman hanging out, not having sex at the end of the night. Sounds like most of my dates. Oh, hey, if we hurry, we can make the new Jennifer Aniston movie. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, there's also an amazing documentary about building a dam on a river in South America. Okay, but the Jennifer Aniston movie has Jennifer Aniston, and she's not building a dam. Can't argue with that. I'll get the tickets. Okay. Actually, you know what? I think it's about time I pick a movie we see. Well, you pick plenty of movies. No. You always picked, and it was always the same. An hour and a half of beach houses in the rain until the woman turns around and realizes love was here all along. But come on, that is a great movie, and it starts in ten minutes. I hate those movies. No, you don't. Yes, I do. The only reason I went is because you wanted to see them and I wanted to have sex. <laughs> to this day, I can't see a Sandra Bullock movie poster without getting both bored and aroused. Okay, so while we were going out, how often would you pretend to like things just to have sex with me? All the time. You're kidding. Uh, does this sound familiar? I'd love to go shoe shopping with you. Uh, hiking? It's great! It's 2 a.m. Of course I want to go to Koreatown and sing karaoke with your friends. Who wouldn't? Okay, we were going out. You were going to get sex anyway. Really? You would have slept with me after a three-hour documentary on dams? No, no woman would. See, you know, that's the great thing. We're out as friends. This is not a date. Sex is off the table. So, let's go learn why hydroelectric power might not be the environmental bargain you think it is. <laughs> Sorry, spoiler alert. All right, fine. Thanks. Uh, uh, tickets are 11 bucks. <laughs> not a date. sure this is the right direction? Keep your voice down. What am I supposed to call you anyway? First monarch? Your Highness? Kaitama. Oh, is that some kind of a title? It's my name. You're bleeding. 
It's just a scratch. Remove your uniform. I'll take care of it later. We have no idea what microbes live in this environment. It could become infected. I said later. You're my only hope of surviving here, Mr. Tucker. I don't intend to let you die. Hold still. The provisions won't last for more than a day. That sounds like there's plenty of wildlife. I grew up in a place kind of like this. I don't think we're going to starve. That's the best you could do. There's very little dry wood. Keep looking. What are you waiting for? I'm not your servant. You're the one who was raised in a primitive environment. You find the wood. What's that supposed to mean? You're obviously better suited to physical labor. In case you haven't noticed, we're not in a palace. You said it yourself. You won't survive without my help. So it seems to me that I'm the one in charge. The king of the swamp. Now get your ass out there and don't come back without an armful of dry wood. I should have you imprisoned for speaking to me that way. You should give me a medal. You'd be dead if it weren't for me. I'm beginning to think that would be preferable. I doubt the commoners back home would complain. How dare you? You're the one who took a swing at me. You insulted the first monarch. I'm just a petty commoner, remember? Raised on a primitive... This is a bad time. <laughs> I didn't hear any affirmatives of any kind in that passionate embrace from Star Trek Enterprise. Both of them were actually yelling and hollering at each other before they entered that embrace. Can you imagine interrupting that process and then asking for permission in order to comply with the law? Not going to work. <laughs> But one of the things that I have not really stressed on past commentaries about the court of public opinion is the effort to create a sub-court of public opinion on the very campuses of colleges and universities across North America. And my opinion is that, that if there are truly allegations of sexual abuse or rape, then I think such matters should always be a matter for the police and a court of justice, not any courts of public opinions, tribunals, or campus police. But this doesn't seem to be the trend nor is the trend really about dealing with sexual violence or rape. Hence all the bizarre new definitions and redefinitions of otherwise clear concepts and principles. The scary thing is, uh, when I was on the National Post art, uh, um, site uh, reading the article, or referring to the article we had before, they had a, a link back to Slate magazine and another very, very lengthy article by Emily Yoff, Y-O-F-F-E, December 8th and last updated in January of this year in which she relates the, the, the growing trend in the states of many male college students and university students having been charged without any evidence and often the evidence totally being in their favor. She refers to one particular Drew Sterrett whose story is just uh, an amazing story and quite well documented. He had witnesses, everything in his favor and yet the panel still found him guilty and now he's suing. And... Um, this is what she's getting into, the larger issue, and that's what we have to fit into our time now. The Department of Education has drafted new rules to address women's safety, she writes, some of which have been enshrined into law by Congress with more legislation likely on the way. 
Procedures are being put in place at colleges that presume the guilt of the accused. Colleges encouraged by federal officials are instituting solutions to sexual violence against women that abrogate the civil rights of men. More than two dozen Harvard Law School professors recently wrote Harvard has adopted procedures for deciding cases of alleged sexual misconduct which lack the most basic elements of fairness and due process, they wrote. Senator Kristen Gillibrand, Democrat New York, said in announcing the legislation, we should never accept the fact that women are at a greater risk of sexual assault as soon as they step onto a college campus, but today they are. This is one of the frequently made assertions about campus violence, but the evidence to back it up is lacking, uh, writes uh, Emily Yoff. Any woman who's raped on campus or off deserves a fair and thorough investigation of her claim, and those found guilty should be punished. But the new rules, rules often put in place hastily in response to the idea of a rape epidemic on campus, have left some young men saying they're the ones who've been victimized. They're starting to push back. Now, this is interesting. In the past three years, men found responsible for sexual assault on campus have filed more than three dozen cases against the schools. They argue that their due process rights had been violated and that they've been victims of gender discrimination under Title IX. Their complaints are starting to cost universities. The Higher Education Insurance Group, United Educators, did a study of 262 claims. It paid the students between 2006 and 10 because of campus assault at a cost to the group of up to $36 million. The vast majority of the payout, 72%, went to the accused, young men who protested their treatment. So, the, so clearly, the evidence is on their side that this is not a, a, a fair and equal type of hearing that they're being put through. And she writes that much of what's happening on the campuses today regarding these assault cases is due to a, the rise of a small, once obscure arm of the federal government. The Department of, of Education's Office of Civil Rights dictates to colleges the procedures they have to follow and it, in, it, in, it examines schools for violations of Title IX, the law that uh, forbids discrimination in education on the basis of sex. In recent years, it has used Title IX, best known for tackling imbalances in athletics, as a tool to address sexual violence. <coughs> and she says the new rules of engagement are governed by a regimen called affirmative consent an attempt by legislators and administrators to remove the ambiguity from sex. The federal government has so far not mandated affirmative consent as a national standard, but states have been enthusiastically embracing the idea, and of course it's come to, to Ontario here as well. Andrew Cuomo, again, thought that the, the whole idea was great. The precise rules vary from place to place. Consent can't be presumed even between members of an established couple. It must be affirmatively given for each and every sexual encounter and for every sex act. At Ohio State University, two young people who want to engage in sexual congress might be well advised to first consult with the philosophy, de philosophy department in the law school. I thought that was a hilarious observation she makes because I said the same thing about Bill Cosby. I said he doesn't need a lawyer, he needs a philosopher. The Foundation for Individual Rights in Education says that affirmative consent is both unnecessary and potentially pernicious. Our laws already make sexual activity without consent illegal. They say affirmative consent makes sexual activity that is lawful off campus a, pun a punishable offense on it. Despite all their newfound efforts to curtail sexual violence on campus, uh, however, they're willingly ignoring the most important single factor running through the accounts of such violence, and that is alcohol. It's a surprisingly loaded subject given the widely acknowledged prevalence of drinking on American campuses. 
and she says that she had written a, 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 an article about, uh, it was called College Women Stop Getting Drunk, and it got her kind of banned from many school campuses. She couldn't say that, because it would make the student victims feel unsafe. And then she says the critiques of how the criminal uh, justice system treats victims are many and justified, but that's an argument for further reform and for finding ways to reduce the trauma to victims, not for asking schools to take over the role of law enforcement. So what does she suggest should be done? Here are her suggestions. Um, a good place to start would be scaling back the power of Department of Education's Office of Civil Rights. Of course, that's in the state. States. Rather than creating a separate and unfair system of justice, we should ensure the safety of college students the same way we do for those who aren't in college. Any student who feels they've been victimized should be able to turn to campus counselors who are listeners and not crusaders. The prohibition about discussing the connection between alcohol and sexual assault should be lifted. Getting incapacitated has no upside for young men or women. Administrators ignore the role of alcohol and sexual assault at their peril, at the peril of their students who are men and women. And then she says, we also need to change the culture of discourse around sexual assault on campuses. To stand up for the rights of the accused is not to attack victims or women. Our colleges, like the rest of our society, must be places where you are innocent until proven guilty. I agree wholeheartedly. And, and uh, on that point, fellow travelers, she says, is where, uh, no, actually, that's, that's the end of what she says. And I agree completely. So this is where our attention now has to turn back to the tragic events uh, regarding the controversy, controversy around Cosby, which didn't really involve Cosby himself per se. But uh, you'll understand what I mean when we return after this. You enjoyed the movie. I saw you tearing up when the village got flooded and everyone had to relocate. No, I was thinking how come they get to leave and I can't. <laughs> I'm gonna get some fries. You want anything? Uh, no thanks. Are you sure? Because you always say no and then you eat half my fries. I just eat the little crispy ones you don't like. No, I love them. I saved them for the end, but they're gone because you ate them. <laughs> And why did I let you eat them? To get sex. Exactly. <laughs> but this is not a date. So I ask again, would you like anything? All right, I'd like an order of fries. Great, that'll be $5. <laughs> I am having the best time. I'm so glad you suggested we do this. is an amazing documentary. <laughs> they need the electricity from the dam, but at the same time, they want to preserve the environment. You're kidding me. <laughs> uh, uh, can I see you for a sec over here? Oh yeah, sure, just one sec. No problem. What's up? I know what you're doing. What am I doing? You're going out of your way to talk to that guy because I said we weren't on a date. No, I'm talking to him because he's cute. Uh, come on, he's not that cute. Yes, he is with his dorky t-shirt and his little hipster glasses. <laughs> I wear dorky t-shirts and glasses. Yes, but when you're tall and have great cheekbones, you're doing it ironically. <laughs> start talking to a girl. You should. Yeah, I'm serious. I'll do it. Good. Go. There's some girls right over there. 
for? They're in a group. I'm scared. So, Leonard, what do you do for fun? Um, let's see. Hiking. <laughs> Karaoke in Koreatown. <laughs> Any Jennifer Aniston movie. No, it's fine. You ditch away. Oh, no, no. We said we were going to hang out. Let's hang out. It's cool. Go back to Kevin. No, he had to leave. Interesting. So, but now that he's gone, you want to hang out with me. This must be Penny. Yep. I totally get it. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. Get what? Well, don't worry about it. You know, there's some guys over there. You should go talk to them. No, no. I, I want to know what you told her. Yeah, that's kind of between me and... Laura. Laura. <laughs> So, while he was telling you things, did he mention he owns not one, but two Star Trek uniforms? Really? Yeah, wears them. Not just for Halloween. Hey, pal. You didn't see me telling Kevin that you thought Cold Wars were only fought in winter. Okay, then I'll return the favor, and I won't tell... Laura. Laura, that... The dirty movies you own are animated. When you were telling Kevin about your acting career, did you mention your long-running role as waitress in a local production of The Cheesecake Factory? Did you tell her about your lucky asthma inhaler? Oh, yeah? Spell asthma. A-S- Take me home. Maybe I'm not done hanging out with... You're right, it's getting late. Okay, so we went out, saw a movie, met some nice people, said horrible things about each other in public. Oh, and all a pretty magical night. Okay, I'm not innocent in all this, but you basically called me stupid, you asthmatic dumbass. I know. I, I, I crossed the line. I'm sorry. I'm not, not, hey, I, I really mean it. And it's not like when we were going out, I'd just apologize for everything so we could end up in bed. <laughs> this is a 100% sex is off the table. I'm sorry. All right. Thank you. I'm sorry, too. Just to be clear, sex is off the table, right? <laughs> Way off. <laughs> Maybe we're not ready to hang out as friends. I don't know. Up until the last part, I was kind of enjoying Take Charge Leonard with a little backbone. Picking the movie, knowing what he wants, a little cocky. Really? Yeah. Well, then I'm putting sex back on the table. <laughs> what do you think about that? Oh, maybe I like it. You do? Because if that's what you like, I can be that guy. I swear I'll be anything you want me to be. Good night, Leonard. <laughs> I am such an asthmatic dumbass. <laughs> yeah, boy. We last featured a specific focus on the Cosby case back on July 16th, and that, at that time we played an excerpt from The View featuring Whoopi Goldberg defending herself against those threatening her because of her innocent-until-proven-guilty stance regarding the allegations against Cosby. I praised her for her courage and for sticking to an important principle. Twelve days later, in the July 28th edition of the National Post, under the headline, The Women Who Accused Bill Cosby by Bob Crilly, I discovered the following paragraph, much to my disbelief and disappointment. 
Quote, even Whoopi Goldberg, one of Cosby's most high-profile supporters, last week changed her stance to say public information pointed towards guilt, end quote. And it just didn't seem possible to me, in light of everything that was said by Goldberg in the past, in which he's on record as having been a consistent principled position, that such a converse, conversion could have taken place, especially since there was no new evidence, merely the same old allegations being repeated, although this did occur right after the open court documents of one of Cosby's previous depositions, which we covered in detail, and we gave you the details you don't hear on, on the other stations. So I went online this past holiday Monday, expecting to have to report to you that apparently I I was greatly mistaken about Whoopi Goldberg's principled and sincere stance, which I supported, by the way. Well, lo and behold, right at the top of my Google search was a link to this very sad story. Quote, ABC forced Whoopi Goldberg to change her stand on Bill Cosby rape allegations after overwhelming number of viewer complaints. And this is out of uh, the Daily Mail in Britain by Chris uh, Spargo. And Whoopi Goldberg announced on The View that she had changed her stance on the allegations after learning about the statute of limitations of rape cases. She said that Cosby did appear to be guilty. An insider is now revealing that ABC executives pressured her to stop defending Cosby, and Goldberg has been a vocal supporter of the disgraced actor for months, and the network was receiving an overwhelming number of complaints. Now, in the article itself... It says that Goldberg had began to shift, uh, voice a shift in opinion when she admitted she was unaware there's a statute of limitations on charges of rape, end quote. Now, of course, she was told to do all this by the lawyer, and I'll discuss that a little later, but this is selling the distraction. Many of the original complaints were investigated prior to their statute of limitation expirations. Others were settled out of court under strict confidentiality agreements by which Cosby has abided, but the women have not, also prior to the expiry of any statutes. And other complainants, as we discovered through our own research on the issue, aren't even qualifiers to be on such a list. And the biggie, feminist lawyer Gloria Allred specifically sought out complainants who were beyond the statute rules because her objective is to push allegations of rape and sexual behavior out of the court of law into the court of public opinion. And that leaves every single male vulnerable to unaccountable allegations at any time by any female he may have been seen with in some social or public setting. And, uh, you know, at the end of the segment, she said, quote, if this is to be tried in the court of public opinion, all the information that's out there kind of points to guilt. Well, that's not saying that she's, she, she thinks uh, Cosby's guilty. That's exactly what I was saying. There is no defense in a court of public opinion. So if you're going to go by the court of public opinion, yeah, he's guilty. And uh, it's just terrible what the abuse that Whoopi Goldberg herself has been taking for this. Uh, one of the models, Janice Dickinson and Beverly Johnson, two of them actually spoke up, but Dickinson, uh, D- uh, Dixonson, I guess it is, the former supermodel, to, uh, spoke to Entertainment Tonight saying uh, that Cosby's formerly sealed deposition makes it clear he owes all his accusers an apology, apology and to admit to the women he'd been telling the truth. Well, it also admitted made it clear that Cosby was telling the truth, as we pointed out in the past. And she wants uh, Cosby to give a, uh, an apology to everybody. But then she blasted Goldberg, and she says, What's wrong with you, Whoopi Goldberg? What more does it take? You need to be fired, says she says. How dare you sit there on the view? You need to be fired, you stupid woman. That is ridiculous. 
And meanwhile, she takes, uh, she, t- she speaks to People magazine saying, the most unfortunate thing about this is the lesson we're teaching our children about the worth of a woman's body. And here I thought it was all about whether Cosby was guilty or not. Um, but anyway, she says, as this conversation on Cosby's actions continues, I hope that anyone with kids is thinking of teaching them that no one has a right to another's body or sexuality. What conversation is that? The one you just ended? The one you just told Whoopi Goldberg to shut up about? Is that the conversation that you want going? That's exactly where they're all coming from. I'm telling you, this gets me going. I felt so sorry for Whoopi Goldberg while watching her so-called conversion on the ABC clip that you can find online. Just go look at it. Sitting there with a lawyer speaking to her. A lawyer is explaining to her and the public why Goldberg was now correct, whereas her previously expressed opinions were not. You know, why not just make her sit at the back of the bus while you're at it? That was exactly my emotional reaction to this whole affair. There she was, having been subjected to the intimidation, by the way, which means she's not consenting, okay, of ABC's undue influence (coughs) in order to obtain her consent to change her view from what was previously expressed. We could use another word for this, you know, but I'm not gonna. Uh, Whoopi Goldberg never said anything for which she should be apologizing or retracting. All along, she's made it clear that if there was evidence pointing to Cosby's guilt, he should be prosecuted. And that most importantly, America was supposed to be a place where presumption of innocence must be regarded as a fundamental individual right. For my own part, I'll say it again, if even one of Cosby's alleges can produce the evidence necessary to prove criminal wrongdoing, neither I nor any other objective person would object assuming that such a case was adjudicated in a court of law and not in a court of public opinion. But this is more important. Suppose some future complainant, like number 49, happens to have an airtight case against Cosby. Does that mean the rest of the allegations have any weight? Definitely not from the 20 or so that we took the time to detail on this show. Absolutely not. Never. So, you know, this is the whole problem here. I said it before, politics is an art, governing is a science, and the art of politics is all about distraction. This is a political campaign. And just as Roger Carancy and Oris Katolik made the issues of insurance and safety and protection of the public their distraction issues when it came to their argument against Uber, when the real issue is a taxi monopoly, right? In the Cosby case, the allegations are the attraction, the statute of limitations is the distraction, and the goal to create unconscionable imbalance in the scales of justice is, well, that's the goal. (laughs) Uh, Namely, women should have a right without evidence or with only their say-so to make public allegations of a criminal nature against specific men without any legal course or responsibility. I don't see this as an advance. I'm sorry, this is a big step backwards. Uh, And frankly, that places women in a special status category, which means they're considered incapable of being responsible for themselves and for their own decisions, even if they're regretted. But that's another discussion. As I've always said, there are no possible defenses in the court of public opinion. Evidence is hearsay, and hearsay becomes evidence. And I have to say it again, Cosby and now Whoopi Goldberg don't need lawyers and corporate advisors, they need a philosopher, someone who understands the bigger picture in which they're just one of many parts, someone with the simple courage just to stand up and say, hey, the emperor wears no clothes. The media, as the fourth estate, is becoming the farce estate. 
no longer committed to a fundamental principle of justice on which the foundation of the very country in which their reporting depends. You know, a farce is a comedy employing ludicrous or exaggerated situations or also defined as a ridiculous action or situation. And that's my opinion of this. Enforcing Whoopi Goldberg to express a view which she herself does not hold. ABC News Network has demonstrated a complete lack of integrity, can never be trusted, just like the politicians. ABC News Network now officially ranks with the gossip tabloids from which, incidentally, many of the Cosby allegations paid for originated. Here are the new ABCs of news reporting and public discussion of the issues. If you don't agree with the majority, your voice and view on the view will not be permitted. This scenario is both Orwellian in its ramifications and right out of the pages of an Ayn Rand novel with regards to the script. It's in the public interest. Yikes. Never mind the truth or the principle and the reality. That was their excuse. That was the reason that ABC gave. It's all in the public interest and we're all better off. And... You know, I've already said, you know, again, if you're in doubt, please, Canada is not a rape culture. Check your law books. You'll notice that rape is illegal and punishable by extraordinarily severe penalties, even relative to serious crimes of violence. And if you ask anyone on the street, do you support rape? There will not be a single response to that question in the affirmative. And if you do get such a response, you better call the police. <laughs> so what's the rape culture really all about? It's about an organized opposition to the traditional heterosexual boy-chases-girl scenario being transferred, transformed rather into a boy verbally must ask permission to chase girl even when girl is clearly inviting boy to do so. Otherwise, boy will clearly be, or, or be severely punished. <laughs> oh, boy. So, anyways, next month, I understand Cosby's due to appear for yet another deposition hearing going back to an incident in the 70s. I'm not sure if the hearing itself will be open to the media or if we won't hear about what happens there until sometime in the future when another judge forces some release of the documents for the public's entertainment, which was essentially the only justification given by the last judge. I'm not quite clear of all the undue processes that seem to have become a standard on such cases. Finally, why don't more, more men become outraged and rise up against this growing and dangerous assault on their rights? Well, not to make light of it, but we've been saying it the whole show, I think it's because they want sex. <laughs> Hello? They don't want to upset their wives, spouses, lovers, and girlfriends with complex arguments and distinctions between actual consent and affirmative consent. Who needs that kind of grief in their lives? So I'll leave the final comment on that question for our closing comedy audio bite to follow. But first, don't forget, we'll be back next week, same time, same channel, when we'll continue our journey in the right direction. Until then, you know what to do. Just say yes. See ya. Fade into color, color into black and white. Under the bedclothes, everything will be up. You okay? Why? Because my boyfriend's off playing choo-choo with some weirdo? <laughs> well, to be fair, they're... Both weirdos. <laughs> I don't know what made me think tonight would be any different. Well, just the fact that you got him up here still says a lie. To be honest, I bet Howie 200 bucks he wasn't gonna have it. I'm going to the Lego store to get a big-ass R2-D2. <laughs> See, it's not just Sheldon. They're all idiots. She's right. <laughs> so your boyfriend's a fixer-upper. Most of them are. I mean, look at this guy. You think he came like this? When I met him, he was a hot, goofy mess. <laughs> now, he's been to space. That's all me. I had a little to do with it. 
Oh, sure you did. Who's Mama's big spaceman? I am. <laughs>